My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. All right, guys, we're picking up our conversation on Thanksgiving, not just the holiday, but kind of using even the holiday as a launch pad to talk about Thanksgiving for us as believers. And Matthew, I'm going to just ask you some questions about Thanksgiving in your own life, and especially a passage that you kind of brought to our attention today. But as you're listening in, guys, one of the things that I really want you to get is that thankfulness, thanksgiving, like the act, the practice of this will change your walk with God and change your life. Not because it's some special magical thing, but because we're actually tuning our hearts into God. And in fact, Matthew, the passage you brought up today is going to talk about God's will for our lives. So if you want to know God's will for your life, we got we got it for you today. This Amen. is it. Come on. Let's go. So Matthew, what passages do you have in mind as we're talking about Thanksgiving kind of part two? Yeah, the text that stood out to me was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 16. Again, it mirrors so much of what we referenced last week with Philippians 4. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So why did this passage come to mind in thinking about Thanksgiving? Like I I see it's got, okay, give thanks in all circumstances. But yeah, why did this come home for you in particular? Um, I think for me, I mean, I tie it back into a bigger picture of the chief end of man is to glorify God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so in all circumstances, God is trying to show me more of himself. And like we again referencing last week, it's a tension between my will and his will. But I know right now that his will is greater than mine. I sometimes don't believe it, but I know it is. And so, yeah. So you're tying glorifying God to thanksgiving, which is interesting because we've had a conversation before about our mission statement a little bit, right? Raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. So some of this, as we're talking about thanksgiving again, some of this is tied to how do we actually become mature as disciples? How, how do we engage on mission? And, and it's tied to glorifying God, right? Well, and I think for us as believers in Christ, we should be the most thankful people out there. I mean, and that sounds a little bit cliche, right? You know, we're supposed to be so happy and we're supposed to be so thankful and we're supposed to just be, you know, by the world standards, we're just a bunch of fools. And we have a hope. Like, we don't even mourn like those who have no hope. You know, it's all comes together in the hope that we have because God loves us. So you, you're contrasting kind of a cheap, just be happy Christianity with a, with a deeper level of, yeah, thanksgiving, overflowing gratitude out of the gospel. And I, yeah, and I want to add too, because I think when we talk about this, some people say like, oh, you just never cry. You're never, you're never sad. Like, I, you know, I lost my business and that is sad. That is a very harsh reality of some of the stuff that's going on right now. Some have lost loved ones. And this does not negate tears. This does not negate just the angst that's stirred up in our heart. But like the angst can't rule. It doesn't win. You know, and if I I put in a lot of effort into small business, I put a lot of time, I sacrificed epic family moments for to get this thing going and it's gone. 
that that can't be an idol. It does hurt, but it can't be all of who you are. Yeah, if your Thanksgiving is only tied to your circumstances, it's going to go up and down and up and down. Yeah. So in this passage, it's saying, okay, give thanks in all circumstances, but but not for all circumstances. Is that that I'm reading that right, right? Yeah, and I think what happens, I think in Philippians well, that we referenced last week, there's a little bit more. It says, "Rejoice in the Lord." Again, I will say, "Rejoice," and I would say that that's where he's going for here. Is like my situation in the Lord has never changed. God has still been overwhelmingly gracious to me. And again, when I look at loss of business, loss of friends, loss of family, even to the point of death, I'm saying I still have the Lord. And then the question is, is he sufficient enough? Now, again, I'm emotional. I'm sad. I don't want to lose friends. I don't want to lose loved ones at all. Um, I don't want to lose something I've devoted my time, talent, and treasure toward. But God can work through those things because he's never changing. He knows everything that I need at the deepest level. He knows my frustration as my business is slipping from my hands and I'm just about ready to scream. He knows all this stuff and yet he loves me. He knows when I've shook my fist at him and he's like, I love you. So so Matthew, what's at stake here? What happens if we aren't thankful? What happens if we don't make thankfulness a practice in our faith, almost a discipline in our faith? That's a great question. I think it strikes really at the heart of who we are as a person. Like, who do we think is in control? Because even if I beat myself up for the loss or I could have done this differently or played my cards this way, or that's a big, big hole that we can catch ourselves in as human beings. And I don't want to, we're not talking about fate here, fatalism necessarily, but we're talking about sovereignty and sovereignty is hopeful. It's not just a shrug your shoulders and, ah, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's not stoicism where it's just kind of like, don't feel it, don't have highs and lows. It's definitely not that. And that's the tension I feel like. But sovereignty comes with hope because sovereignty isn't just a shrug of the shoulders in reality. Sovereignty has already provided for me at the deepest level a reconciliation for my sin. And sovereignty is found in a person then. It's not sovereignty like fate, like a, a vague force in the universe, but God personally is in control. Personally and intentionally, he's wooing me, saying, I'm better than business. I'm better than economy. I'm better than family. I'm better than health. I am better. Trust me. Trust me. And the battle begins. So if we if we miss out on Thanksgiving, we actually miss out on God? Not not like losing our salvation, but the enjoying him, relationship with him? Am I hearing that right? Yeah, I think we're missing out on, on his testimony of his goodness with us. Because 2020 has been a rough year, and some of us have been alive for 40 years, some of us have been alive for 20 years, and some of us have been alive for 60, 80 years, whatever, okay? And so when you look at if this one year derails your thankfulness, that's a challenge. Like, what are you hoping in? And so I think it's a time to really reflect, you know, really reflect about the years and God's faithfulness to you. I think we as believers have the opportunity to page through the Older Testament and see God's faithfulness to other people who are like us, Ruth, other people, Moses, other people, David, Solomon. Like you see God's faithfulness to those people. And though they stumbled and fell and struggled along and got frustrated and angry and God said, I'll be faithful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my promises to you. And so as I struggle and stumble along in 2020 and years past, even as a high school student going back that far, I see God's faithfulness in protecting me 
health-wise, in protecting me from making ridiculous decisions. God worked through there and was faithful and kind to me because I deserve hell. It keeps coming back to me. I deserve nothing. And when I'm not thankful, it I'm not humble. I'm not submissive to the Yahweh. I'm, I'm just out doing my own thing. And if I drum it all up myself anyway, who do I owe thankfulness to? Yeah, one of the one of the dangers then of missing thankfulness is we narrow our perspective of who God is and what he's up to. Again, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not necessarily for all circumstances, but as a through line. It, right. Whatever you're going through, you, you can give thanks for God's character, God's faithfulness. And if we miss out on that, we're just stuck on the waves of whatever's going on right now. And life will eventually be difficult, painful, tragic. Some of us have experienced more a larger share of that than others. But if our gratitude and our joy are only tied to a certain perspective of what is good for us, we actually might miss out on seeing, understanding, accepting, enjoying greater good God might have for us. And I think both of us have experienced this thing. I don't want this to be a cliche, but you, many Christians have, have gone to another country, seen believers somewhere else with less comfort, with less security, with less whatever than us, and seen a greater level of gratitude because they're less tempted to give thanks for the particular situation they're in. They have to give thanks for God. And again, I'm not trying to, to cheapen their experience and the, the pain there, but um, it was even talking to some of our, our connection group leaders um, this past week. Some of the guys are, are reading through a book and reading about the testimony of believers in China who are really thankful for the Bible and are going to sit and hear someone preach and teach through it for hours and hours. And I can struggle, you know, I own multiple copies of the Bible. I can struggle to read it every day. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for it less than they are because they actually see how much of a lifeline it is because they don't have other things to grab onto the same way that, that I can trick myself. Mm -hmm. So, so I can miss out actually on some good stuff God has for me in himself and growing in maturity because my circumstances are easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there, has there been a time in your life, maybe even a situation this year where, where that lesson came home for you, where you saw, okay, my circumstance is less than I thought it would be. And, and that elevated your thankfulness in your relationship to God. I had never thought of a concept of quarantine where you're just kind of like shut up and literally as a nation told to stay away from other human beings. And that was like a whoa moment. Yeah, you hear about quarantine, you, you read about and historically about plagues and different measures people took, blah, blah, blah. That won't happen here. And so here it is happening here. Well, then you start to evaluate and realize just stuff with your own family. And I look at the timing of it. I had just purchased a house uh, and just the ability to have a little bit more free time to, to work on that. And just seeing like, oh, man, this is kind of working itself out in a sense, too, in a very huge area. And then just walking through and finding new shepherding opportunities from for other folks who were also caught in the, I can't believe this is happening. And it's a teaching moment. You know, it's a teaching moment of how God can sustain me, though I need people. He is more than people. He is with me when I don't have people. And I think it was a challenge, too, to, you know, 
reinvigorate my own relationship with my wife and have deeper and more conversations when we get caught in the busyness and all because we weren't busy anymore, you know. And so that was a really a learning time for me. How about you? Like what was something that stands out, whether it be this year or over the last couple of years that just increased and fueled your thankfulness? Yeah, I have few hobbies. I'm a very like boring person, but my one hobby I was getting into was sailing and was part of the U of I sailing club and all things for the university have been shut down like extracurriculars, those things because of COVID. And so we basically missed a whole sailing season this year. And I also had a daughter this year. Um, she was born like right as things were shutting down in Iowa. She was born the Monday right before we went online as a church for, for a month or so. Um, I realized later, like, I was bummed I was missing out on the sailing season, but that also gave me sort of undivided attention when it came to being there for my wife and my daughter. There wasn't that extra thing in my mind of, like, man, the weather's nice today. I could be out sailing. I mean, there were definitely days where it was like, oh, like, the weather, wind picks up, I get a little itchy, like, I want to be out there and, and talking to a friend who has more access to sailing stuff. Um, but I can look back on this year and actually be more thankful and grateful for the time to learn how to be a dad and a better husband. And that's because God is really kind to me and he, he wants me to mature. He wants me to grow. He wants me to, um, be more of a faithful witness to my wife and my daughter. And so this year I didn't get to sail. You know, I, I like when I borrowed a boat and went out one time this year, um, and last year got into it late and I was out every weekend, you know, but God in his kindness this year, took away a circumstance I wanted to give me something that would actually be better for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think you can just multiply those situations for those of you out there. You might think of us, you know, sitting here and like, oh, that's, that's not a really a big deal, but it is a big deal in our walk. Just like your strain economically or whatever, like God is doing something like in all circumstances, we can be drawn closer to him or we can reject the fact that this year has existed for him to teach us something about himself. And if he is the most valuable thing to learn about, if he is a treasure, is he worth getting to know better? And and so if he, God, you're going to do that to me to draw me closer to you, like help me believe, help me follow, help me be grateful for your work in my life. And this side of eternity, we might not always know what he's up to exactly, but we can know who he is and what he's like. So even if, as you're listening, guys, you're like, yeah, but what about this circumstance? What about a loved one passing away? What about losing my job and the stress that is? I, I'm not going to tell you I know exactly what God is doing in your heart and life through that. I, I don't know what he's up to, but I know him and I know what he's like. And I love the, the faithful testimony of Romans 8. And nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Christ. All the, the circumstances that, that Paul lists, persecution, famine, sword, whatever. Guys, God is up to something in your life. He's trying to get a hold of your heart so that you can enjoy and experience more of him, which is the treasure of all eternity. That you will be restless until you find your rest, rest in him. That's what... Augustine said back when he wrote his confessions in what the 300s or something mm -hmm. that's been true forever God might be trying to get a hold of your restless heart right now in this season by forcing you to not run the things you've always run to mm -hmm. and, and again you might have been running to a hobby 
You might have been running to a free time. You might have been running to a job. You might have been running to an illusion that your health was, was all in shape. Through all of it, God wants your heart for your good and for his glory. And he proved that by sending Jesus for us. And it's not just about, it's not limited to those things. And we don't have to just be philosophical about these things. We can see what happens. You have the Apostle Paul from a prison cell. Is that Acts 17, I believe? Um, where they're singing. He, they're singing. And God moves in and shakes that place and they walk out. Yeah, how do you practically train yourself for Thanksgiving gratitude, Matthew? Any any equipping you can give us to begin to be more thankful people? Just anything practical we got. I mean, I think the practical things that we have been going back to is not negating the Word of God and growing your view of who God is. Is God bigger than your circumstances? Because it's going to be hard to rejoice always if God is smaller than the circumstances you're in. If God is smaller than the U.S. economy, it's going to be really difficult to find him worthy of thanksgiving and praise when the economy is going up and down. If God isn't as large as your political figure, uh, it's going to be really hard to worship him and be thankful if he's not bigger. And so go go on, like your children, your health, your schedule. If God isn't bigger, it's going to be really difficult. And I keep coming back to that because I think a lot of us have a really small God. So it's really hard to be thankful if you're out there getting all your stuff together, keeping your family safe, setting the schedules, you know, set up the savings account and did the retirement thing. It's going to be really hard to be thankful to him if he's some kind of an outsider that you've just let in on Sundays, maybe. And I think a lot of us have a really small view of God, and therefore we put a lot of hope in our family around the holiday season, and we're thankful that they show up, but then some of them don't. And then, what? Like this is Thanksgiving. You're supposed to be here, you know. Like this is supposed to be family. This is supposed to be, whatever. But but we put all our ducks, you know. We put all our stock in our family and not in God. And he is always there, you know. And so I think most practically is I just plead. And some of you have been reading through the Bible over this last year. I hope you've seen the testimony of God in the older covenant and in the new covenant, how he has worked, how he has preserved, how he has provided so much that we can go into this season of thankfulness with content, you know, not just awaiting what may or may not happen, but go into the season of thankfulness and holiday celebration fully fueled, looking back over the bumps and hurdles of 2020, just saying like, he is worthy. He, I can be thankful. He's been so gracious to me. I think a regular thing that provokes my Thanksgiving gratitude is worship, worshiping on Sunday with believers, worshiping um, just privately in worship music because it's it's about tuning my heart back into God and what he asked for me. I think super practically, guys, if you ended every day with writing five things you're grateful to God about, that, and that could be for salvation, that could be about a gift in your life, whatever, you begin to tune your eyes into gratitude. I also think as we pray, often starting with thanksgiving and thankfulness tunes our hearts in. So rejoice in the Lord. Um, there's an acronym that we've talked about before, Pray, pause, rejoice in the Lord, ask, and then yield, submit it back to him. All these things, little steps, step by step to grow our thankfulness and our gratitude, which will affect our maturity, will affect our mission, all for God's glory. So guys, we, we've talked today about gratitude, thankfulness, kind of part two. And let me just read again for you First Thessalonians 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will for us as a people is thankfulness as a response to who he is. Matthew, I'm thankful for you. Man, I'm thankful for your work on this podcast, and thank you that we got to have this conversation together today. Hey, man, so grateful for you. 